ComC is excited to announce their latest partnership with CGC Trading Cards and CSG. With over 30 million raw cards available in our marketplace, ComC is ready to provide an effortless grading experience for you to buy, sell, and now grade your Marvel, Sports, Star Wars, and TCG trading cards. ComC is thrilled to offer a smooth and seamless grading experience that is available today for all their customers. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Today, our guest is going to be Eric Doty from Loop. We're going to be catching up with him about what's been going on at Loop over the last 18 months or so since he's been on the, the podcast before. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about our show yesterday. We had our local monthly show, small show. We had about five or six other dealers, maybe 10 to 12 other tables besides the main shop and the Wax Pack Hero side of the shop. And we had a local collector come in. Now, this is somebody that I know. He's actually the original owner of the Michael Jordan uh, UD authenticated uh, auto basketball that I've got that I added to my collection last year. He brought in a couple pieces that he got recently. The first one was a Babe Ruth autograph ball, super clean looking ball. I believe he got that off of Golden at some point. He brought that in, got to hold that ball, which was really cool, and then he pulled out of his bag a PSA authenticated handwritten letter from Abraham Lincoln that he picked up in a private sale. It was a pretty cool piece. I'm not somebody who currently collects any kind of historical artifacts, but holding a handwritten letter from Abraham Lincoln was a really cool opportunity. It just show, goes to show you never know what somebody in your local area is going to have. Two awesome pieces. It's not every day that you get to hold two items valued at over $100,000 in your in your hand at a small local monthly show. And so you never know what's going to walk in the door. And so even if you live in an area that doesn't have these big shows, even if you can't travel to these giant regional shows and you only have small shows in your area, don't let that keep you from going and attending and checking them out because you never know what's going to walk in the door. You never know what kind of items and collections people from your area have that they've just been tucking away and enjoying in their own privacy and you never know when they're going to be looking to potentially move them. That being said, I did not buy those two pieces, but it was really cool to see them. If you want to see photos of them, you can check out my Twitter feed or my Instagram feed. I put pictures of both of those items out there. So I just wanted to start the show today talking a little bit about that cool experience that I had yesterday on Saturday over the weekend at our small local monthly show. Well, I'm going to get into the conversation with Eric right after you hear from the sports card shop at MoCo. Hi, this is Pat Hughes, Cubs announcer, coming to you from the Sports Card Shop in beautiful New Buffalo, Michigan. The Gocher family has built an incredible place here for collectors to buy, sell, and trade cards and memorabilia. Be sure to stop by and let them show you around. TheSportsCardShop.com, connecting sports, 
athletes, the hobby, and collectors around the world. Well, Eric Doty from Loop returns for a third time today. It's his third time on the show. It's been a while, though. The last time was on episode 129 all the way back in August of 2021. That was the week that PWCC got kicked off at eBay. Fanatics announced their takeover of the MLB license, and Eric joined me for a catch-up conversation on the show. A lot has changed in that time including the continued growth of live breaking, live selling, and the continued growth of Loop. So, Eric, welcome back. How's things going? What's What's been going on for you? You, you keeping busy down there? Uh, <laughs> all the time, all the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've been growing nonstop since then. Uh, we've, we've been adding people to the platform, the, the Loop app and service. Um, I think you said the date that like, we last talked, I think since then we've opened uh, brick and mortar in Miami, the, the Loop flagship shop. And uh, yeah, it's just been, I mean, like every startup um, as well as most companies in this industry and hobby, um, it's, it just feels like it's been nonstop. I mean, you said it's been how many months? 19 since we last talked. Uh, you could have told me six and I would have believed you. <laughs> I want to get into a little bit about how things have been going at Loop um, here in a couple minutes, but I know you just recently returned from the Mint Collective. The, it's the second year of the Mint Collective mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. It's an industry event with a card show portion as well. And so I was wondering, how did that event go for you? Um, so for us, we, we didn't have a table or a booth this year. We did the, the first year. Um, it didn't, for our business, it didn't make a lot of sense to have a booth. I mean, we're, we're really there for the relationships, um, both for the, for the sellers that are already in the platform and sellers we, we might want to bring on as well as just the normal, uh, B2B relationships, you know, the, all the other companies in the space. So for us, it's, it's purely, a a relationship play and and it was it was really solid i mean all the all the key players are there um but we didn't we didn't have like an official booth and i think it overall went well um i didn't attend too many of the panels uh, we had another person there from our business who who sat in on a few um but it's an interesting event um it's i think you and i were talking a little bit on twitter uh, a few days ago and it's I feel like it, it's kind of in this early stage of, of in between. It doesn't, the event doesn't quite know what it wants to be. I feel like it's, it's one part, um, one part business and industry, and then it's one part consumer. And I don't know, I, I feel like it would be it, in the long term. I think it'll be a much stronger event if it can really say like we are one or the other. So is it trying to be another national or is it trying to be another Beckett industry summit? When you go to an event like that, where it's a little bit ambiguous, are you, are you going with the mindset of customer acquisition? Are you going with that mindset of building relationships with other breakers and hobby companies, or even that third component of learning about upcoming changes um, to technology in the industry or you know, upcoming changes to relationships in the industry and producers and the manufacturers in the industry. And I think you kind of hit on that in your response that this time it was more about the, the relationships and kind of the networking aspect. But 
Um, yeah, I was wondering because it, it seems like it would the the current incarnation of the event makes it a challenge for some companies to know how do we want to approach this event and get the most out of it for for our people. Yeah, yeah, and we there were a couple shops that sell on loot who are in attendance as well, and you know everyone everyone's needs are different. Like I I just laid out like why I was there and the benefit to us, but I know someone else was there purely because someone who they buy a ton of slabs from goes to that event and they use that as time to meet with them and set expectations for the next six months on how much volume they want to buy and, you know, what can they commit to and the deal. So, you know, I, I think it serves everyone differently, but for me, it was, I, I really like the industry aspect. I like being able to meet with people from Beckett and PSA and fanatics and tops and Panini. And for what I do as my business, like that's perfect. And I think the the fact that the first day or two is leans more toward that. It's nice because if you go to the national, I mean, national is very much a consumer event and a collector event, which I, you know, I love, like it, it is, that is the show of shows for, for that angle. Um, but I always feel like it's a little trickier to get those meetings in because, you know, they're trying to go out and, um, you know, acquire new customers and talk with their high rulers and the biggest collectors. So, um, yeah, for, for what it was, um, Mint definitely got the jobs done. And Well, hey, let's talk a little bit about Loop and the last 18 months at Loop. When we last talked, you had just brought on your 14th staff member. You had three sellers that reached a million dollars in sales. Mm -hmm. The card shop was brand new. You were just getting ready for the grand opening. And I think you had just just released the Android version of, of Loop. What have these last 18 months been like for you? Um, <laughs> so much has happened. Uh, so let's see, we are, we have the iOS app, we have the Android app, we have a website, we have an option feature. Um, you know, we, we really purposefully stay very streamlined. You know, there's, whether we're talking about other breaking apps or social apps in general, we go very simple. I think we we like a very streamlined approach. My background is 12 years in video games and every customer is different. And what I really feel strongly is I think there's, there's a fine line of how much do you add to an app versus how much is the distraction from the core of what you people really want to use the app for, which is find great breakers who we've vetted and make, you know, buy cards and get those cards shipped to you. So um, we definitely added new features and UI uh, user interface, but, you know, we've been very, very careful not to distract away from that because my, my number one priority is make sure that the shops who invest their time, energy, and money into selling on loop continue to find success and continue to grow. And part of that message you said, um, hitting a million dollars is kind of like the first milestone. Uh, I don't even know offhand. It is a large number of our shops now have crossed a million dollars. And uh, we had one shop who they they came into it and they had a goal, like, okay, we're gonna hit a million dollars um, by this date. And they, we, did, we actually didn't know, they didn't tell us this goal when they started. And I think they hit it, um, 
wow. in about half the time, if I remember correctly. So they were very happy and, I, I, you know, being able to blow past their expectations because, again, we don't, I think we've had 2,000 plus shops apply to, to sell a loop. And we've been very, very careful to curate that and curate because who we let on, we want them to be successful. We want to work with them and do business reviews. And I think that's done really well. I mean, we're going to continue adding, but we don't want to add at a scale where we cannibalize the existing partners who have found success. I mean, that's that's the opposite of why we brought them on the platform. So, um, yeah, in 18 months, we've, we've just continued to scale up. We just had our best month ever, um, March. And uh, the last three months have just been like this huge trajectory of like, um, record setting new buyers, number of transactions, our retention rate is through the roof. Like the how often people come back after their first visit is like a, a record rate that we've never seen before. So that that particular stat tells me that we've done something right on the experience as well as having um, the right sellers on the platform. Every week or every month I was I was seeing a, a message or a tweet or a, some communication that you were sending out talking about a new record being broken on loop and that you continue to, to be blown away. Um, and that's been encouraging to see. I've, I've been happy to hear that. You talked about sellers, you know, are, are the number of sellers continuing to grow as well? And have you, I know you're so data driven. Have you kind of formulated a, a, a path around how many additional sellers you can add to the platform to kind of still account for the, the amount of new customers that you're having so that that ratio can kind of stay in balance, that everybody is, that, that customers can find people to, to buy from, but sellers can also have enough customers there to, to fill their breaks or to, to sell their um, singles, whatever it might be. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, we, we try to be as transparent as we can with the shops on the platform um, as far as how we use data to make decisions. So we, you know, we look at does the first shop, you, the shop that you make your very first purchase with, is that an indicator of how often you're going to come back? Do you buy from them again? Do you disappear? Do you go buy from someone else? Um, the variety of what you buy um, and also like what indicators determine the success of shops on the platform. And, you know, the, there are very hard decisions that I have to stand by as, as CEO. Um, and sometimes they're difficult to understand from the outside. We try our best to explain, like, we've actually removed shops because, hey, you're just not streaming enough. Or there's, you know, various indicators where we we don't want to be a place where selling on loop is a hobby that you can you can go sell other places if you just want to like dabble in live streaming and that's that's totally fine what we really want loop to stand for is these are shops who are fully committed to streaming regularly and being available and having good customer service and talking with customers and having consistent incoming product to sell they're shipping regularly because they've and many of them have staffed up you know we have shops now who are some are streaming more than 10 hours a day every single day and they've had to staff up their uh, breakers and staff up their shipping team and with that investment we 
as we see individual shops invest in that, then we become very serious of like, well, like this is, this is how much you trust us with your business. This is how happy you are with what we've brought to your business, driving millions of dollars in sales. And, you know, we only have so much time and attention and energy we can put towards, um, you know, the full catalog of shops. So sometimes you have to go, okay, well, you know, this shop only streams a couple hours a week and maybe we've had some issues with them, nothing crazy, but you know, it, that even engaging with them takes away from investing in these larger shops who keep growing and, and are super excited. So, you know, we, we use a lot of data to make those decisions. We have very open common uh, conversations and sometimes we We'll talk to a shop be like, hey, you're right on the border. If you streamed an extra, you know, five hours a week, we actually think that you would start accelerating your growth because there are these kind of like milestones we see that if you hit them, your growth like really takes off. And we we actively work with all of our shops to make sure they have that information and, and back it up with data. And then it's just up to them to decide like wh whether it's worth it for them or if they can get the resources to do that. Um, and yeah, the, just the last piece on that is I think because we focused so much on that, um, that's why we've seen the growth that we have. And, and some of these shops have just really blown up over the last year. That's great. And there's something else that we've alluded to and we've touched on it a little bit in the conversation so far, but I, I want to make sure we really hit it home because it's, especially over these last couple months, it's been such a hot topic in the industry and, and in the hobby, especially when it comes to live selling. <laughs> and that's this concept that you go through to vet the sellers on the platform. It's one of the things that impressed me the most about Loop from the first time we, we talked and, and you had made it clear that this was gonna be an important piece of what you guys do to build trust within the community is to put a vetting process through with the sellers to help make sure that, like you said, people are serious about what they're doing and, and that they're not, you know, kind of fly by night. So just to make sure everybody understands what's going on, can you remind us how that vetting process works and, and what you mean when you say that you vet the sellers who apply to be on loop? Yeah, so uh, vetting is uh, done like personally, not by me. We, we have individuals on the team who do this but we look at, do they have an existing live streaming channel? Excuse me. Do they have an existing live streaming channel um, where they have uh, proof that they know how to sell, that they're professional, um, that they're entertaining and people enjoy engaging with them? That first and foremost, do they know what they're doing? Um, and sometimes we let people in who have never live streamed before, but you know, we help them, like we set, expectations and show where the bar is like you know you do these things um this is how you present cards on screen that you know you never take cards off screen it, things like that um that are you know for a lot of us no-brainers but it helps to go back through that list um beyond that do they have a brick and mortar shop that's always a, a big plus um do they have any sort of reputation how long have they been in business um, do they have allocation or a, at least a consistent source of inventory because we've definitely brought people on in our earlier days where they would sell out in one or two sessions and then we wouldn't see them for days because they're going back out and getting new inventory or they're um and we don't have a lot of retail on loop right now it's still a lot of 
it's either singles or hobby product. Um, we're not, you're, you're not on there to buy the same boxes that you could probably go buy at Target. Um, so that also we kind of look at that, like what type of product do you sell? And, and then once you're on the service, there's a, you know, we walk through all the basics of, of how you use the app, expectations on shipping, how do you communicate with us and with your customers? And then beyond that, um, you know, we're, we try to be as fair as possible. Like sometimes people just make mistakes or they hire, like they're expanding and they hire a breaker um, and the breaker just isn't quite up to par of our and the shop owner's expectations. And, you know, we have those conversations like, hey, moving forward, fix this, you'll be fine. Um, and luckily we've, we really haven't had any problems um, at scale. We, you know, I think one time we had a shop that had, uh, they had just personnel issues with shipping and, you know, this, the, they just really had trouble keeping up. And after, you know, a couple chances, we were like, look, until you're ready to handle the scale of business that Loop provides, we're going to have to ask you to, to not be on the platform because this is a bad experience. We're getting complaints from users. They're wondering where their packages are. And I know they're going to get there eventually, but this isn't up to our standard that everybody else on the service is doing. Um, you know, we've, we've heard, we've seen the horror stories. And I think that initial vetting process that we've done helps limit the damage and chance that things like that are going to happen on loop versus anywhere else, like literally any other place that you live stream or sell cards, like is, is, has the risk of those things happening. And we try to de-risk as much as possible. When it comes to the products on loop, when we first talked, it was predominantly breaking sealed hobby product, right? Um, but now there are singles that can be sold. Are there other products that are available for purchase via a loop stream? That's still a majority. Majority of our business is uh, buy it now, uh, pricing on personal packs, boxes. Uh, we are seeing more breaks happen, like group, uh, group and team breaks, um, repacks, but we try mm. to really keep an eye on repacks because obviously some of those are, if, if you do it, Obviously, everyone wants to make. Let me back up. Every, obviously, everyone wants to make money. I think the question is, are you doing it in good faith, building a fun product and experience for the person buying it, and are you communicating the average, the floor, what the chases are? And I think if if you're doing that and you're super transparent, then it's on the buyer to understand like this is something I want to get in on or not. But obviously. I think it's fair to say <laughs> I've seen enough repack products um, elsewhere where it's like, all right, this feels uh, like it's taking advantage of people. And, and, you know, we're very careful. And we actually ask a lot of our shops to, if they're introducing a new repack product, whether it's something they put together or they're going out and buying a, a set of product from another manufacturer who put these together, um, we want to, you know, we try not to have too much oversight but we want to know because if somebody complains and sends us um, a complaint through the support channel, it's better for us to know ahead of time, like what, what was communicated, what were the expectations. Um, 
And then, yeah, as you mentioned, we have singles now. We do have an auction feature. So we're seeing more and more of those get added. But everything is still through the live stream. We don't have any like static marketplace. And I think what I just really like about the live aspect is building the relationship with the shops. I think that is that is the most powerful thing is building the relationship between the collector and the shop. And again, that's that's why the vetting process. Yeah, is so I, I was wondering about repacks because those are definitely one of those things that are kind of borderline in legitimacy in the hobby, you know, without proper controls, like you said, they can be pretty easily manipulated, um, you know, parameters to assure true randomization and that the promised hits and chase cards are actually in there and um, making sure that it's the actual value proposition exists and it's not just a, a trash card dump by, by a seller. So it just seems like one of those <laughs> things that, yeah. um, would definitely require a little bit of oversight anyway, um, just to avoid that that potential manipulation. And but it seems like with a vetting process that you've done with other things that that I would hope at least you know, like you said, that there's a little bit of oversight and and vetting if somebody's going to offer a a repack. So it's good to hear at least that there's a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The the last thing we want is for a collector to be unhappy. Like if you just go in with that lens, as you look at who's selling on the platform, what they're selling, and you just go in with good intentions that like, hey, we're all here to have fun. We're all here to collect. And as long as you respect that, like you'll be fine. And I think everybody understands that. No one, no one is out here expecting you to lose money on a business. So, but they also want to under fully understand like, mm -hmm. what am I buying into? And yeah, again, I, I think that's just well, competition important. has been fierce in the live selling arena. How do you plan to kind of continue the pace that loop is, is going, is gone? Um, you know, it's a trusted and growing community. How do you plan to continue that growth in the face of some of this stiff competition? Yeah. I think our, our reputation helps a ton. And, you know, I think there's a certain type of community we've been building, um, very tight knit. A lot of people know each other when they go in the rooms and greet each other like, oh, this seller has, you know, new basketball product. And there's a, there's a group of higher end basketball collectors who all pour into that room that night and buy a, buy a ton of product and they kind of, sell some, you know, if they get a big hit and they know, oh, it's a Steph Curry. I know so-and-so like Steph Curry. And that that is the part of the of loop that I love the most. And I want to make sure that we stay very humbled by is that people are spending hours, sometimes many hours a day, just hanging out. They might not be buying the whole time, but they're hanging out, talking about cards, talking about sports and that community aspect is the most important part. So as we look at growing, how do we look at other communities and other companies who have done it right and respect the hobby and build a group, you know, a group, an audience of people that trust them and how do we partner with them? I think first and foremost, that is the best place for us. And now, and now it means something like, we have a good reputation and by working with this other community, it looks good for them and same in return. Like the fact that their community is vouching for us and saying, Hey, there's a really cool event on loop that we've partnered around. 
you should go check it out. And maybe they bring they brought a seller with them that they trust, or we we offer up one of our top sellers, say like, hey, Thursday night, would you like to do a special event for this group and create a like a personalized experience? For me, that is that is the route I would always prefer to go. Instead of just throwing a bunch of money out out in the world and you know trying to get uh, people who honestly might not want a hobby product. Like if you're out there buying singles off of Com C and singles off eBay and trying to get the best possible deal and spending the whole time price calculating, like that's a very different experience than casually sitting in a room and engaging with people and talking about cards. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you go on to make purchases. I am so excited to see the success that Loop has had here over the, the first couple of years. It always warms my heart when um, businesses and people who do things right find success. And so I'm excited to, to hear that you guys are continuing to grow, continuing to set records. What else do you want people to know about Loop before we go today? Uh, we're still a, a very small team. I mean, we're, we're under 20 people. We are not a big corporation, <laughs> so um, I think I think that perception. I think sometimes I hear like people think Loop is bigger mm-hmm. than it is, at, like team size. They think it's bigger than it is, and it's it's a bunch of collectors. Like we have people on the team who they buy with their own money on Loop, and they know who all the sellers are. Um, so I, th- I think that's a big takeaway. I'd love. And then, um, you know, we are only in the U.S. right now, and we are actively looking at, I mean, I made the mistake of mentioning Canada maybe 15 months ago. <laughs> and now, you know, every few days I get a DM or an email going like, hey, why is this not in Canada yet? So would love to expand there um, and beyond. Um, so we're looking at that. And then we are looking at bringing some additional features for people who aren't necessarily a shop, but would like some options on Mm -hmm. the service beyond just buying. So we're looking at that. Um, But again, it's all about trust. It's all about setting proper expectations. So whatever we build, um, you know, it's gonna be with that in mind. And if somebody has not already tried out Loop yet, where can they find the app and the service? So I should have worn my loop hat. Um, <laughs> so if you're on iOS or Android in the US, uh, you can just search for loop in the app store, L-O-U-P-E, um, or you can go to the website loopdheapp.com and uh, we have the full experience on the website. You can watch and buy as well as some buttons to take you to the app store. It was great to connect with Eric as you could hear. There were some technical difficulties that came through. The the conversation itself when we were talking was fine, but when I pulled the downloads for the recorded conversation through Riverside, there were some technical difficulties that we had to work through with some delays and volume levels and things like that. So I tried to clean it up the best I can, but there were some gremlins in the system that caused a few of those technical difficulties. 
but I appreciate your patience. I hope you were able to get some some great insights out of that. I, I enjoyed that conversation and the attention that they put to vetting the breakers and the sellers on loop, I think goes a long way in making sure that you don't run into near the number of shenanigans that we've seen on some other live streaming platforms. Well, let me know what you think. Let me know about that conversation with Eric and what you took away from that conversation with Eric. Did that make you more likely to try out Loop? If you're interested in a live streaming platform, if you're interested in buying and enjoy those live streaming breaking opportunities and live streaming buying opportunities, or did it do nothing? Or was the technical difficulty so much of a challenge you have you found it difficult to listen to? I'd love to hear all of that feedback as we move forward. Well, tune in next week for another great Super Collector conversation. Somebody from the wrestling card world will be joining us, Chuckster. If you have not heard of Chuckster, he is a, a deep he has a deep knowledge of wrestling cards and the wrestling card um, history. So join us next week to hear from Chuckster. That is all I have for you today. I'll catch you next time.